Hello, Herstorians. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Herstory, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Today, I have with me rising senior at Chantilly High School, founder of Ignited Thinkers and aspiring airspace physician and astronaut, Gitika Gorthy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gitika. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to share a little bit about myself and my journey. Amazing. How's your day treating you so far? It's been a good morning. It's been, I woke up on the right side of the bed and it's been nice and sunny outside. So it's a good day. Good, good. I love to hear that. That's the best, right? When you wake up and you're like, you know what? Today's going to be a really good day. Like it's going to be one of those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the formation of and mission behind Ignited Thinkers. Yeah, so Ignited Thinkers is a nonprofit organization I founded in eighth grade in 2018 to spread space education to students across the globe. And the mission behind it really is to provide the space opportunities that I've had to other students who may have not had those same opportunities. Um, The formation is quite a journey. Looking back at it, it's crazy how much I was able to actually accomplish something from a small vision to what it is now. So it started in seventh grade. So, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I feel like I've always had that innate curiosity for space. Um, I live an hour away from Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. So I always used to go to the Air and Space Museum and you know enjoy all of the you know uh, airplanes they have out there. And so space was always with me. However, I never considered it like a real career. I don't know why, maybe it's the stereotypes. I just was like, okay, this is like for you know geniuses or maybe very, old individuals. So I was like, okay, this is not for me. And in seventh grade, uh, when I went to middle school, there was a rocketry club that I happened to join because of my tech ed teacher. His name is Mr. Anderson. And I joined the club and absolutely fell in love with rocketry. I didn't even know I could build rockets in middle school. So it was crazy (laughs) that I could build real model rockets. And I would literally spend three to four hours with him every day after school, even if it wasn't a part of the club and build rockets and launch them in the backfield. Um, And it's it's crazy, like I absolutely loved it. And then, um, you know, I was thinking about it with my family and both my parents are not in the space industry. Uh, We're immigrants to the US, so, when I was talking with my parents, they're like, you're so lucky. They were like telling me, you're so lucky to have these opportunities. Um, I wish I had this when I was your age. And that got me thinking. Um, the inner Girl Scout in me, I've been a Girl Scout since kindergarten, <laughs> and I've always looked to make positive change. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is a moment for me to give back. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to spread what I learned and create a Mr. Anderson for everyone mm-hmm. through the Ignited Thinkers uh, nonprofit. So ever since then, I've been really trying to do workshops um, globally and just trying to spread my love for space for others and breaking down any space stereotypes that I've heard in the past. Wow. Do you work with schools trying to help them build those types of programs? Yeah, I'm actually trying to start rocketry clubs at various elementary schools. And I 100% agree with you. Rocketry clubs, space clubs in general, I feel like are very, very limited. I was very lucky because Mr. Anderson, um, I think in my county itself, this is like one of the very few rocketry clubs that are there in this at least middle school, maybe like one or two of them. Um, And that's because he actually was into rocketry prior to becoming a tech ed teacher. And he was the one who convinced the county to get permissions from a nearby airport to let us launch rockets. He went through, I think, 
five to six years, you know, you know, trying to get a permission to do that. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. And so I think, you know, it needs to become more normalized because space is a part of all of our lives. I mean, something simple as a GPS, I'm a new driver. Uh, I rely on the GPS all the time. And that comes from space technology. I think students don't realize it because we're in the 21st century. I mean, a phone is like normal. You're born with it. Um, And I think (laughs) they need to realize that the reason we have a phone is because of space technology and understanding that history will help foster future innovation. So really Um, um, think it's required. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I do like, I love, my physics class. And I think that was the closest thing, but that wasn't even until high school. So, yeah. you know, that was something where I, I love the idea of all of that. I tried to take a, um, an astrophysics course in college and that was pro and cause I love math, right? I love math. And I love the idea of space. I don't quite grasp most of it. You know, there's it's complicated, you know, yeah, very. <laughs> <laughs> and that I think was the most difficult course I've ever taken in my life. It was amazing, but I left after like pretty quickly. I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. This was a mistake. But I wonder if had I been gifted that type of knowledge earlier, because I didn't even know that that was something I was interested in until like my senior year of high school. And then at that point, how difficult is it to just suddenly have to uproot all the scientific equations that you've memorized to add in all these other factors in the next step. Yeah, I was reading an article actually a few months ago, maybe, and it was saying how students like really find their drive and passion of what they want to do in their careers at a young age. So like maybe late elementary school, early middle school, of course, that doesn't mean you can't change your career halfway through, but that's when you build like a, you know, like a strong connection with what Mm. you love. And I think reaching to those like audiences is really, really important. Absolutely. I, yeah, it's like uh, the, the sooner you can get exposed to as many possibilities as, as, as uh, are available, the better you're going to be for it in the end. Even if you just show like a slight interest in, I don't know, like economic principles or something when you're in sixth grade, that doesn't mean you're going to have to be an economist, but that can mean you're going to have tools that you can put into whatever career you end up using in the long run. And then like with your teacher having loving rocketry already, even though that's not what he was doing, not what he was really like teaching initially. So that's something he had interest in that he was able to bring it to you guys. Like so many people can be that for the next generation. That's amazing. I so love that initiative. That's so awesome. Thank you. So when did you discover your passion for aerospace medicine? Yeah, this was also a very, you know, track that I had to take a lot of research into. So like I was mentioning earlier, neither of my parents are in the space industry. Um, My dad's into computer science, mom is into economics. So as you can see, literally no connection to (laughs) space or really medicine even. Um, As a young girl, like I was mentioning, loved the Air and Space Museum, but Again, never knew what a real career in space would look like. Mm. Um, So didn't consider it like a real option. However, I did have a lot of relatives around me who were into medicine. And I started like exploring that further because I saw that as a real career and absolutely fell in love with the human body. I think the way it functions, it's so like we don't understand probably even like 90% of it yet. So it's crazy to see how much we still have to learn. And so that like intrigued my curiosity. And um, in seventh grade, when I got into rocketry club, then I was like rediscovering my passion for space. And so that summer I applied to two summer 
camps. Um, one was at NASA Goddard Center. It was mm -hmm. a sisters program. Uh, it was a free, I think, two week program, or maybe it was four weeks, I don't quite remember. And another one was at Brown University, this was a two week neuroscience program. And I ended up getting into both, didn't expect that at all. And when I got in, it was the best summer of my life. Um, I got to go to literally a space camp and you know <laughs> talk with scientists and yeah. I got to get into neuroscience. And so that was like two things were always on my mind. I found Ignited Thinkers was going into high school those two things in my mind. Um, and then I was like in 10th grade and I was like, okay, you know what? College is creeping up on me. I really have to decide what do I love more? And I just couldn't pick, like there was no way I could pick. <laughs> and so what I did is randomly one day on Google, I searched up space and medicine. I just put those two words together. And then I found out it was a real career. It, it was a <laughs> yeah, it was a huge shock. Cause I literally just took two words and put it together. Like I didn't expect that to be a real career. And it was a real career. And that was like mind blowing. And at that moment, when I saw that it was a real career, I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and so ever since then, I've been like connecting with professionals on like LinkedIn, for example, and trying to, you know, connect with different aerospace physicians. So basically you become a doctor, but then you specialize and do research for like um, astronaut health, for example, mm. or do more research around um, how space flight or how your genes change or different body parts and organs change functionality in space as compared mm. to earth. And that's going to help us understand the human body better. Mm -hmm. So um, I was like doing research with a Baylor College of Medicine professor and read a manuscript as well. So I really like ever since then I got these opportunities and started diving deeper um, and fell in love so that's really how I found out about aerospace medicine wow you know that is something that you do see how when after astronauts have been up there for a fair amount of time they come back and you know muscles are depleted you know I feel like now though they do have more like uh, exercise equipment and things like that but those first people that went up came back and it was shriveled messes but that's that's something that we know right that that's a thing but you don't also consider that that is a, a career somebody studies that somebody says all right what are some ways that we can make sure that doesn't happen and then what are ways that it does affect that's fascinating do have they found do you know if they've found any um links to like alterations in uh brain activity or is it mostly like musculature yeah there's definitely changes in various parts um i'm not sure uh there's there are like neuron activity decreases in space um so i was actually an intern at nasa this summer at nasa aim center um and that I was part of the gene lab program and we were given data sets mine specifically was on fruit flies or drosophila Mm -hmm. And I was analyzing the heart functionality in space. And I found, um, like my team and I, we were analyzing the data and found that heart contractility might change in space. Like it's the functionality is decreased in space as compared to Earth. Right. So I'm not sure necessarily, there is neuron activity that decreases in space, but we don't know the implications of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's like what's exciting about aerospace medicine research is trying to figure out what those implications are for astronauts when they come back to Earth. Mm -hmm. But also, can we learn about certain gene functionalities in space and then translate that into helping solve diseases here on Earth? So for example, like to put it into perspective on ISS, there's lots of experiments that are happening. 
Some of them are on like cancer treatments, for example, and like they study cancer cells in space and you're taking out gravity out of the equation because in ISS, it's all like microgravity, everyone's floating basically right. so you're conducting that research. And so can the change in functionality of cancer cells in space tell us how cancer cells behave in our body and can mm. that lead to finding like a cure or some sort of like, can we just understand more about it? So right. I think like understanding that the aerospace medicine does not only apply to astronauts, but can help us solve a lot of problems here on earth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, and, and I, I, you mentioned it a little bit, but I'm sure a big draw of it is the possibilities, right? Oh my God, the potential yeah, that we have potential. here. Like there's a lot of things that we can probably unlock through yeah. this type of exploration because it, it removing the element of gravity, which is something that again, we so often forget about, like it's, it's such a, I mean, we are with it our whole lives. Right. So exactly. it doesn't even Just feel normal. foreign. Exactly. Yeah. But when you really look at it and you think about it, like what a wild thing that obviously has great effect on our everything. Yeah. Our everything. Yeah. I mean, we shrink as we get older, like there's a lot exactly. involved. And when you remove gravity, which is an element that you don't instinctually think needs to be removed, right? Because we, exactly. it's not like a tangible thing. I'm going to like be thinking about that all day now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I was able to give you a topic to think about. <laughs> yeah, I've truly never even considered the effects that it could have in studying things like cancer cells. Like that just would have never occurred to me. Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> have you found it difficult to be taken seriously as a young woman in a field with such high aspirations already? You know, gratefully, I haven't had that feeling yet. I feel like um, I've almost of my networking is basically through social media and like specifically LinkedIn and mm -hmm. every single person is so accepting. I feel like um, with the whole Artemis mission that's happening with the launch of the first female on the moon and people of color, it's going to be, you know, I feel like the space industry is getting a lot more diverse mm -hmm. um, and a lot more accepting. And so people want to see young generations getting involved in space and especially young females of color. I think it's amazing. And to be more specific, um, you know, the, the demographics in the space industry right now is on the older side. A lot of people are on the older scale. And so as they retire, as they kind of stop um, working, they, you need to transfer those skills and that knowledge to younger generations. So I actually found that everyone is so accepting to give knowledge, oh. which is amazing. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What a complete shift in what it was not so long ago. And I think yes. that is due to the work of people like yourself who are wanting to share, you know, this with not just, you know, just people younger than you. You're like, let's get them, let's get people into this and in like elementary school, let's get it, let's get all these people involved. And it's people like yourself and people who came before you who are like yourself, who are really wanting that mission to come through. And I, it seems to be, at least through my observations and what you're telling me, that those are the people who are the loudest right now. And I think so many times, so often, especially in our society, it's the reverse. The loudest people are usually the ones who are trying to gatekeep and keep people out, you know? And it sounds to me like 
space exploration and all this stuff has has luckily fortunately shifting or is in the process you know of making these voices that need to be heard and want to be involved. I've never understood gatekeeping, like keeping people out who want to be there, like who want to learn from you. What is that? What is that? Why do people do that? I don't understand. Yeah. If I understood, I'd give you a response. It just doesn't make sense to me, but I definitely agree with what you were saying of, you know, the women before me, I mean, whether it be the stories of like the hidden figures book and movie, um, it brought a lot of light that there were women, one or two, maybe not as much as today, but we're encouraging that growth. And I'm not going to say the space industry, like everyone that I've encountered is represents the whole industry. Right. I've heard stories. I've met people who have been harassed at workplaces, um, girls who are in undergraduate studying physics and they're the only girl in the classroom so no one wants to partner up with them um, for projects and you know they're like oh you're going to get an f on that test you're not even going to pass this class because you're a girl and there's still that oh bias God. and it's crazy oh. to hear that it still exists but i know that a majority of the people in the space industry are not like that and they're trying to be more accepting so right God, that just makes me think of like, no girls allowed, like posters on people's walls. I know, like you're like eight, like, come on. Yeah, like cuties. Oh, you have cuties. <laughs> yeah, or it's like, in what, in what world when we're in the same class, does this mean mm -hmm. that I am somehow less qualified yeah. to be here because exactly. I have different parts than you do? Like what in the exactly. world? Mm-hmm. Do you have a support system? You've mentioned your parents um, that and your teacher. Wow, you do have a great support system. That's amazing. Can you elaborate on them and how they help you get through maybe um, times when you're doubting yourself? Yeah, I'm, I think, very, very fortunate to have a great support system. I feel like that's one of the main things that has allowed me to explore what I want to do. I'm not, not a lot of students have that opportunity, and I, you know, I'm so honored to have that you know in my life and not a lot of kids have that which I completely understand and you know, acknowledge which is why I want to be that support system for other kids but in my own life my parents have always encouraged me to do whatever I want uh whenever I talk about space I know some people are like that's not a real career I don't know if you can live in you know working in the space industry I don't think that's like a viable career but my parents have never said that to me and they're always so supportive and like you know do what you want because that's what matters at the end of the day and so they've always been supportive and like every time I doubted myself and every time I've had failures for I mean I know failures are like subjective I mean I'm 17 I probably haven't gone through in the worst but in my life it's a pretty big deal and for when I went through those failures my parents were always there to have my back and so I think they've always encouraged me to do more and Mr. Anderson I wouldn't even have gotten into space if it wasn't for him I probably would be like all the way really deeply into just becoming a physician and I wouldn't have had that aerospace which is the other half of me so mm -hmm. I'm really glad that I was able to put two parts together because of him so definitely I've been very fortunate to have that support system mm. no matter where you are in your life it all is going to affect you whether you're 17 or 77 yeah I definitely don't take like failure as a trivial thing just because you're young I think it's, you know, there's so many obstacles for everyone. And mm. I think acknowledging them, like you were saying, it's really important. I know that my failures have taught me the most um, mm. as a person. It like, like I've learned a lot of things for 17 about like relations and like friends and like, you know, to trust yourself and be confident in who you are. Mm. And so like, it's taught me a lot to like put myself before worrying about what others have to think about me. So mm. I think even though I'm 17, it's taught me valuable skills that I'm going to take on mm -hmm. even if, you know, for the rest of my life. 
Mm. Yeah. I, I also feel like you have a lot of experience. I mean, you have a business, you, you have professional relationships already you've had to experience and you've done internships, you know, things that like, that's a lot of experience that a lot of like college people, a lot of adults don't have. Most adults don't have their own business, right? So there's already so much you've learned in your, you have a lot of a life experience just based on the ambitions that you have and the goals that you have, not just ambition for yourself, but the goals that you have for like society overall, right? Like the very fact that the mission behind the company that you started when you were in eighth grade is for the betterment of society indicates to me, at least that you have a great understanding of who we are as a whole, as a, as a human race, who we are and what we need and the opportunities that you had that you are wanting to share, right? So I think that your failures, the missteps that you've had have absolutely helped you in becoming who you are and who you will continue to be. I do have a question. Was it, did you have some like difficulties in starting your company like or business organization? I'm using a lot of words. I don't really know quite how to put it. It's a business, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you have some, yeah. some difficulties there? Um, definitely. I think that it wasn't hard to like actually register as like a business or anything in terms of the actual aspects, but I think taking it from an idea to make it like real and like something that people know of is mm. really difficult. And obviously I still have a very long way to go, but I like even just the initial, like trying to get it out there was super difficult because like I told you, both my parents are not in the industry. So it was kind of me trucking my way. And like, I, I remember I would send like 20 to 30 emails like to different space organizations different space individuals and you know talk about my organization see if there was like a way we could potentially collaborate because I think collaborations are a way we can foster growth together so Absolutely. I've been always trying to like see if there was ways and um you know I, I did my first event in India because of a connection I had here so um her name is Dr. Shirley Scribner and she's an acquaintance and she's an English teacher at a community college and she um is the owner of various orphanages, um, few in India, few in Africa, wow. few in Europe. And she like does it all by herself. She like, um, she, yeah, she has so many kids that she is in under care of. And she's like, it's amazing what she does. And when I was talking to her, she was like, these kids, uh, these orphanages, um, these kids in these orphanages don't have the opportunities and that you have, uh, nor the STEM opportunities. And so I would love if you could go and do an activity for them. And so that was where, that was my first Ignited Thinkers event where I went to India and I think it was fate because it was an hour away from my grandparents' house, which is crazy. Oh. And I was going to visit them that summer anyway. So it was like a great timing, I guess. Um, so that summer in eighth grade, I went, I did an event with the 75 kids. Um, I was, I emailed like 20 to 30 Indian organizations because I was going to India mm -hmm. and I couldn't get motors from the U.S. to India because it has gunpowder mm -hmm. um, and like safety regulations and stuff. So I reached out and two out of the many organizations I reached out to responded, which I consider a big win. And one of the organizations provided me motors to give to those kids. And we flew rockets that day. And it was just an amazing experience. Um, so that was my first event. So definitely like taking it from the initial idea 
to action was mm. definitely a process took a year or not a year, but like six to seven months to do. And of course, I think a lot of luck was on my side as well, because the fact that the orphanage was an hour away from where I was going that summer was definitely like, you know, lucky, but um, it was crazy. And it was, I'm really glad it worked out because that's kind of the start to for what I was doing. Wow. Wow. And I like, I, I, I think the way your approach is, uh, the the right mindset for it because all the no's or even just not even the no's just the no response can be horribly like, deflating <laughs> yes you no know? it can vary be, and then it makes you question like is this something people want is this interesting to people and i think sometimes the right person just didn't read the email you know i, I feel like a lot of times those emails go through multiple people and the right person wasn't behind the computer that day. And then it also, what's I'm sure rewarding, I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but I'm sure you will, is when you reach out again or when they reach out to you because now you've got quote unquote clout. So many times people are afraid to be the first people to like take the risk, even though this isn't even like a risky thing to invest into. This is like pretty self-explanatory. Like if I had the money, I would be part of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if uh -huh. I had motors, I'd be sending them to you. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I love that you're like, you know what? We got two yeses out of the many in India. And that's, I mean, what a win. What an amazing win. Because it really is. And that just shows your work ethic too. The fact that you're willing to just, that takes a lot of time to send out 40 emails, 40, 50, even more where you're just like, all right, we're going to send out a whole bunch. Hopefully we get one response. You know? Yeah. That's literally my take on life too. Um, <laughs> whenever I have an opportunity, I apply to everything that I can apply to possibly. And if I even get into one, I consider it a win. And, uh, you know, there's this quote, so I'm a basketball player as well. I've been playing since third grade and uh, my I remember when I first started playing, I used to play like in my neighborhood, we have a basketball court and so I used to shoot all the time. And so when I was put into an actual league and the team, I was just like frozen on the court. Like I was like, I'm going to make my team lose. So I'm going to stay in the corner of the court and not do anything. So third grade, get a kid's mindset was not to do anything will equal victory for the team. And so then I remember my dad was telling me, and again, my parents, huge support system for me. And so my, my dad was like, Kitika, if you don't even take a shot, so do you think that your team is going to ever get a point if you just stand there? And then mm -hmm. that got me thinking. And it it's like there was a quote that I always stand by, which is you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, really, if I don't even take it, then I'm not going to get it. So ever since then, even if I'm like, I'm not going to get this opportunity, I apply for it. And if it gets, if I get it, great. If I don't, it's just a no, nothing's going to happen. Worst case, I'm just going to feel sad for like maybe two minutes and then I'm going to apply to something else. So <laughs> that's literally my mindset on everything I do. Yes, 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 yes. That is the best way to go about things because it's, it's something where it's like, you then are giving yourself permission to be told no, which I think is um, really hard. It, that's really hard. That's why a lot of friendships suffer because we're afraid to ask certain questions, you know, we, we try to beat around the bush or then we just don't ask. And then we're mad about it later. Same thing with like uh, romantic relationships or families, like it, and then it really extends into the professional life, right. Where 
you you're not allowed to be sad about not getting something that you didn't even try to get. Exactly. You know, that's like mm-hmm. you you can't be outraged that they didn't pick you because you didn't apply for it. So and then yeah, worst case scenario, they say no and nothing in your life changes other than exactly. an hour of moping and which is fine. You you know, let yourself mourn that and then move on. And if there's nothing wrong in your submission, then you just weren't right for that particular time. And that's nothing against them. Hopefully there's no other, you know, there's no malintent behind the rejection, but you know, like in an ideal. That doesn't define you. Exactly. And it doesn't define you because you know, your worth and you don't need someone's acceptance to tell you that. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what I learned through the many failures that I've had. It's like, okay, I don't have to like justify who I am based Mm -hmm. off of the rejection or exception. And I think going into the whole like college process as a high school student, that's something that I always like have in mind, like an acceptance or rejection doesn't define who Mm -hmm. you are as a person. Yeah, absolutely. What an amazing outlook because that opens the door for so many other opportunities that you're not scared of, right? Like, exactly. and, and speaking of that, what has been the most unexpected opportunity that you've come across so far? There's been a lot of things I've been very excited about. And, you know, it's crazy to see like the number of professionals I was able to connect with on LinkedIn and everything, but the most unexpected opportunity that I've come across would definitely have to be the NASA internship. Um, I, 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 someone recommended it to me uh, when I was like interviewing her. She was like, "You would be perfect for this program," and I ended up applying, not thinking I would get in because it was NASA and it seems, you know, obviously it's a very competitive program. And um, there was like around two fifty-five plus applications for fifteen interns, and it was crazy because everyone who's qualified is going to apply. So I really didn't think I would get in, and so it was crazy to have that moment of four weeks, literally, even if it was virtual, sadly it wasn't in person, but still the opportunity to talk with so many amazing people, do like write my own research proposal based off of data that I analyzed with my team and hopefully like potentially getting funding to do the project is crazy, you know? And so I definitely, it's the best opportunity that I've had so far. Wow. You know, I, I, I love that. That's so good. And especially that someone that you were talking to was like, you know what, you would be great for this. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Is there a particular goal right now that you're aspiring for? Um, I always like to keep myself busy with like a lot of different goals. Um, Well, in terms of Ignited Thinkers, I really would like to incorporate space education curriculum into schools. Mm -hmm. So I'm working with my county science department to try incorporating more hands-on experiments and projects um, sixth graders can do. So in science, there's a unit in astronomy that my county requires you to do, except you don't do anything hands-on related to space at all, but there's a whole space unit. So I'm Mm -hmm. trying to convince the science department to incorporate basic, you know, easy, easy teachable material that teachers can give to students. So that's my goal in terms of Ignited Thinkers. And then I guess personally, um, I want to dive deep into aerospace medicine. So I guess the first step would be to, you know, um, get more into those research opportunities. I'm constantly looking for places to intern and get more hands-on experience to be a part of really cool research opportunities. So I think those are the two definitely goals. And I want to expand Ignited Thinkers more globally. I, um, because of the pandemic, I haven't had a chance 
chance to go to different countries and raise money and fundraise. So my next goal would be to like expand Ignited Thinkers, potentially in the future, start chapters and, you know, just like grow my mission and make everyone feel the importance of space. Mm, wow. I think that is, those, those are excellent goals. And I think they, they run somewhat congruently because the more you grow in your own personal development, right? The more you're, the, the more inspiration you're going to be able to bring to ignited thinkers. And you never know with what programs you end up doing in, you know, that specific like personal professional development who you're going to come across who is going to be able to be like oh my god you know who I can connect you with this person and they're going to love it's like that's that's amazing and I love that you're on LinkedIn a lot because I mean what a networking site what a great way to network because people are people want to share their knowledge most people they want to help people you know oh I love that there was I used to be a huge no social media user. Um, I told myself in middle school, I was never going to get Facebook. I was never going to get Twitter, LinkedIn, or, you know, any of the social media apps. And then, um, and then I was like, then I randomly, my first social media was Twitter, but then I got into LinkedIn and LinkedIn literally changed my life. Like I will recommend LinkedIn to every single person, like create an account, connect with individuals, even if they don't accept it, most do connect and message them, tell them about yourself and ask for opportunities. And um, I, you know, there's, I, I'm an Ignited Thinkers YouTube channel. I interview individuals and I've met basically 99% of them through LinkedIn. Mm. And one of them, his name is Mr. Courtney Stad, and he was the White House liaison for NASA. So he worked um, for NASA and the White House. And so super cool, amazing person. And he connected me um, with Mr. Hines, who was the former NASA AIM Center chief technologist. Wow. And Mr. Hines uh, has an organization called the Hines Family Foundation. And he's planning on collaborating with Ignited Thinkers because he has a similar mission to spread space education. So we're going to work together to bring space to a lot of low-income families. So it's, it's amazing the connections, what they can bring, like you were mentioning earlier. So LinkedIn's amazing. Absolutely. I mean, it's so it's so fun too. Uh, I'm, I wish I was better about keeping up with my LinkedIn. I tend to forget about it truthfully you know social media has always had a negative light and i think that's because most people don't know how to properly use social media in mm. terms to like you know network make connections i think social media always has this like aura that you're trying to show off or be someone you're not mm. but you can really gain a lot if you use social media the right way so mm -hmm. i think linkedin has been definitely life-changing in those aspects absolutely using social media as a tool rather than yes. using it as like an energy and time sucker. <laughs> 100%, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to our last two questions, is there anything else that you would like to add where we can find you? Sounds like on LinkedIn, um, your organization <laughs> or anything that we didn't get a chance to touch on today. Yeah, um, you can find more about Ignited Thinkers at www.ignitedthinkers.org. And that's where, you know, there's a link to my YouTube channel as well, where I conduct a lot of space champion interviews, where I try to, you know, highlight diverse space careers. Like I was saying, aerospace medicine didn't know it was a real career. So I wanted to take the opportunity to share diverse stories and show people there's not one path to get into the space industry. 
there are literally hundreds and millions of ways to get to where amazing people you look up to um, are here. So really, I love the series that I'm conducting and hopefully I'll have more videos of different topics there soon. But um, they, you can learn more about my work there in the YouTube channel. And then on social media, I'm mostly active on Twitter, which is at, at, at Gorthy and then at Ignited Thinkers. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm at Ignited Thinkers and then LinkedIn, it's just my name and Ignited Thinkers again. It's really straightforward, just my name and the company's <laughs> name. Um, but basically on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So yeah, thank you so much for you know letting me share that with you guys. Yeah. So I ask the same last two questions to everyone that comes through the podcast. First, what is your second favorite color and why? That's an interesting question. I have never heard um, someone ask me that before and I haven't thought about it a lot, but I would have to say the color yellow. Um, I would, I'm gonna say that because I feel like yellow is always a color that I wear when I'm really happy or I wanna make my day better. But also I think it's always so important to like remember that you don't have to be happy every single day. So I think yellow is that color that I try to wear really often so I can stay in a bright mood, mm. but also it's okay to like justify myself not to wear yellow in order like, it's okay to kind of reflect sometimes and think of what went wrong mm. um, instead of just like moving past it. So I think yellow is that color where I really like it but also it's not like my number one favorite color because it's okay not to be as bright and cheerful as yellow. So I would say yellow. I love that. So you like the sunshine yellow or like pale yellow? Sunshine yellow, not like sunshine. super like neon, but like right. a, yeah. Like, like a nice yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best way to describe it. Yeah. And now it doesn't even sound like a real word to me anymore because I... <laughs> And last, what, in your opinion, is the best part of being a woman? I think there are many things that are amazing about being a woman. Um, the one thing that I would have to say is, though, is the innate um, persistence and perseverance that women have, um, whether it be like physically or mentally. I feel like women are not that men aren't, but I just think women are just innately really strong. Mm. Uh, because whether it be the bodily changes we go through as a teenager or, you know, if you're pregnant um, or also mentally, you know, I feel like women have to be really strong mm -hmm. for their families. So I think um, my mom, she's like a housewife. And so she's like always been with me all the time. And so I've like learned from her a lot and she has mm -hmm. a very strong personality. So I think the one thing that I learned from her and from my grandmother that I would take forward is being a woman, it means to be strong mm. and to have a strong personality. So I think that's what I love about being a woman. Mm, knowing exactly who you are and sticking to it. And you absolutely exude that 100%. That is <laughs> by the choices you make, by where you are, by where you're going, you know, you are, you are definitely somebody who embodies that entirely because you absolutely know who you are and you seem to be just barreling through, you know, and that's incredible, incredible. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to sit down and talk today. I loved every second of it. I feel smarter now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for having me. It was so great to share my journey with others and like look forward to the future. I think it's always so nice to like, you know, share my journey and show other students out there or people out there, regardless of their age and showing that age is definitely not a boundary. Um, mm -hmm. Even though you're not a legal adult yet, there's just so many things you can still do and pursue. So thank you for the opportunity. 
of course. And thank you, Herstorians, for tuning in again. Subscribe, follow, tell all your friends so that they can hear amazing stories just like this one. You can follow us on all of our various social medias that are all just a little bit different. Instagram at Women of Her Story Podcast, Facebook at Women of Herstory, and then you can always visit our website if you didn't write all of those down, and it'll be at ofherstory.com. Until next week, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of.